You're listening to Unexpected, the podcast bringing you real conversations from those of us who have suffered pregnancy and infant loss. With comfort and hope for the future, I'm your host, Ashley Bitterman. Today I'm talking to Lauren, who went from having a textbook pregnancy to losing her infant son during a traumatic C-section within just a matter of days. Hi, Lauren. I'm so, I'm so happy and grateful to be talking to you. And I thank you for being willing to have, to have this conversation with me. Of course. I'm happy to be here. So let's start with one, two, three. What's one thing you can't live without two movies that are just your all-time favorites and three celebrities you want to have dinner with? <laughs> um... One thing I can't live without is probably the beach. Um, I love to just have relaxing vacations. I'm always up for an adventure too, but I still, I think, prefer laying on the beach versus venturing around for the most part. Um, That's my favorite thing to do. And I'm a teacher, so um, the more I can travel in the summer, the better. Um, You get summers off. That's so nice. It is. Uh, and two, two movies, right? Yep. I love all Nicholas Sparks books and all Nicholas Sparks movies, but Safe Haven is probably one of my favorites. Um, that book is really good. And I feel like the movie even lived up to the book. Um, is that Julianne Hough or did I make that? Yeah. Okay. Julianne Hough. Yeah. That's one of my favorites and probably the hot chick. That was one that I always watched when I was younger. And it's just like so funny with Rob Schneider. Um, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it cracks me up. It always cracks me up. Great one. And, uh, three celebrities I'd like to have dinner with. Um, I would say anyone from the cast of One Tree Hill. Um, that was like my all-time favorite show. Um, Rihanna is one of my favorite singers. Great choice. And <laughs> my husband's whispering Mark Wahlberg because he knows that I love all, all Mark Wahlberg things. <laughs> Good suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> Not mad at it. <laughs> so before we dive into the heaviness of what this conversation may be, I'd love to know just a little bit about you, what your childhood was like, what's your family like now? Um, so I grew up in, in Pennsylvania. Um, I actually went to a small Catholic school to start off with, like, and I'm talking like less than 20 kids in my grade and three of the girls in my class, including me were named Lauren. (laughs) So it was just like a bizarre scenario, but, um, I really appreciate going to that school because I feel like it gave me a lot of good values, um, good family values, good, um, religious values, good, just what good person values. Um, and I have a older brother and a younger sister, um, two parents. Uh, so we were living in that area and we moved, um, to a big public school because my dad became the principal of that public school. Um, so my dad was my principal as I was growing up. How was Um, that? interesting uh we definitely we could not get in trouble um yeah we just had to be on our best behaviors at all times and um so that was interesting but my dad was in education 
Um, so in, having someone in education, uh, he was a math teacher prior to um, being a principal and an athletic director and a football coach. Um, so my interest formed from that. I went to uh, Temple University and I cheered at Temple as well. Oh, cool. Um, and then upon graduating for there, from there, I got a job at a local high school back where I grew up, um, teaching high school math and coaching cheerleading. Um, so fun. Yeah. So what is your family life like now? You're married? Yeah, so I'm married. Um, been married for a year, um, a little over a year, uh, to my husband, Josh. Uh, we actually met at a Super Bowl party oh. and being a Patriots fan, and I'm an Eagles fan. Oh. And um, it was the, the Super Bowl where the Patriots played the Eagles and the Eagles won. <laughs> and still wanted to marry me after that. So um, we'll be together for love then. Yes. <laughs> Um, and he was previously married and had a daughter um, with his ex-wife, uh, Gianna, who is six years old. Um, and we have such a great, great relationship. Um, you know, I've been a part of her life since she's been two and a half. So um, she doesn't really remember life without me in it. So now let's talk about your pregnancy. How did you find out you were pregnant? What was your initial reaction? So... It was like two months before our wedding, actually. Wow. Um, we, like, I just decided to stop my birth control. Um, and this was back in 2020. So it was like during the, the, like, just, I feel like the shutdown was just about ending then. And I was like, let's get off. I'm going to stop my birth control just to like get my body like back into a cycle before we start trying. And I fell pregnant right away wow <laughs> um, yeah and we were just really excited um like I remember taking a test and looking at it and I didn't really see anything initially and like I was just like okay whatever I'm not pregnant and then I looked at it like a minute later and I saw two lines and I was like holy shit is this for real you know um so naturally I went to the store and got another test of course three test um and then I think the next day I told my husband I like wrapped up a onesie I had bought with the pregnancy test next to his like night or on his nightstand for when he woke up. Um, and he was just beaming from that moment too. He was really excited in that time too. We were like, do we, can, do we proceed with our wedding? Because it was the middle of the pandemic. And, oh, wow. um, I was like, I like, no matter what I'm getting married to you on July 25th, whether it's just us in a church or we do the whole thing. Um, just because it was important for me to get married before having a child together. How was your pregnancy? Um, it was extremely easy and normal. Um, you know, I didn't even have like an ounce of morning sickness. Um, like it was like a textbook pregnancy really until it wasn't. How far along were you when you found out something was wrong? Um, so at 26, seven weeks. And I think two days I went for my third trimester blood work. Um, and everything had, and I did like the glucose testing, the three hour one then too, and everything came back normal then. But at that same time, I started to get heartburn, um, like very severe heartburn. Um, so I called my doctor and they prescribed me a, a meprazole for the heartburn, um, which helped a little bit, but I still felt like super off. Um, 
And I had an appointment exactly a week later. So 28 weeks and two days. Um, and I went in the, like the ultrasound room first. Um, it was during COVID. So my husband wasn't allowed to be at this appointment. There was some that he could and some that he couldn't. And this was one that he couldn't. Um, and it was, it was like a five o'clock appointment. So it was towards the end of their day. And um, the ultrasound technician, I felt like was like rushing through everything. And I'm like, you know, is something wrong or is it like the end of the day? And, you know, she, like she doesn't, she wants to go home, you know, but I heard um, his heartbeat. I didn't, we didn't know the gender at this point. Um, we were keeping it a surprise, but I heard his heartbeat and I was like, okay, that's at least a good sign. Um, and then I went to the doctor's room and um, the nurse seemed like frantic a little bit, it was just like, you feel movements, right? And I was like, yeah, I do, you know? And they took my blood pressure and it was high. Um, like I've had a, a normal blood pressure the entire pregnancy. And now it was like one, 142 over 85. So a lot higher than it's been. Um, and then the doctor comes in and she was like, so your, your baby's stomach is measuring five weeks behind. So I was 28 weeks and he was, his stomach was only measuring 23 weeks. Um, and she's like, this is very serious and you're going to have to go to the hospital straight from this appointment. Oh my goodness. Um, what goes through your mind when you hear that? Um, you and know, I was just, yeah. And I was, by, I'm like, you know, like, is everything going to be okay? Like, you know, um, like, can this baby survive at this young of a gestational age, you know, I don't even have a bag packed. Like I don't have a cell phone charger. I don't have clothing. I have nothing with me. My husband's not even here. Um, I have to go to work tomorrow. Like everything is like rushing through my head of like, oh my so yeah, that was extremely scary. Um, and they found protein in my urine as well at the appointment. Um, so they were, I, I don't even remember if they told me they were assuming it was preeclampsia or what at that point, um, but they just said, you, you need to go to the hospital. This is like a very urgent situation. Um, and they gave me like paperwork, paperwork for my birth plan because I was supposed to like start making it at that appointment, wow. not knowing like I was going to be delivering within days, you know. Um, so I left that appointment, got in the car. I called my husband. I was like, we have to go right to the hospital. He's like, what? And again, neither of us had anything with us. And you didn't, did you know what anything meant? No, like I know the baby was alive and, you know, that I wasn't doing well and he was really small, you know? Um, and like the doctor at the office, she did tell me, she was like, you will be admitted. You know, you are going to be staying. Like, I have no doubts that you will be admitted. Um, so I get to the hospital. I got put in like a, like a triage room. They do blood work right away. Um, I meet like the resident doctor. Um, they tell me an MFM is on their way, a maternal fetal medicine doctor. Um, they tell me that I'm most likely will be delivering soon and that they were going to send someone from the NICU up. Um, the blood work came back and I had preeclampsia with severe features and help syndrome and 
Um, what are those, what does preeclampsia and HELP syndrome mean? Um, so preeclampsia is, it's a bunch of different things, but it, it's high blood pressure in pregnancy. So uh, 140 over 90 is typically like those triggering numbers. And that can cause like a lot of complications with the pregnancy. It can stop like the blood flow to the placenta, which can slow like the growth of the baby. Um, the HELP syndrome is like kind of like under the umbrella of preeclampsia. And that um, affects like, like my liver was failing. My platelets, which I got the blood work done a week before this, um, were perfect. And now they were down by over 50% of what they were a week ago. Wow. So like physically, like my health was at stake too. Um, like I could have died from this as well. Oh my gosh. So yeah, all that blood work came back. Um, and my son had IUGR as well, infant um, fetal growth restriction. Um, so that's like why he was measuring so small. And that was really from like, the lack of blood supply to the placenta. So he was only at 28 weeks. He was only measuring like a pound and a half. Um, so you get told all this information at once. Yeah. What? And right away, they're like, we're going to give you steroid shots <laughs> um, to help your baby's lungs develop. Um, so I got one steroid shot right away. And the goal is to hopefully make it to the 24 hour mark to get a second steroid shot in. Um, and then I was like posed with a question of like, well, how do you want to deliver? Oh my, <laughs> like, oh my God. Like I just, I'm, I don't even know all these terms that you're throwing at me. One, I'm trying to wrap my head around everything. Um, and now it's like, how do I want to deliver? Like, what's your birth plan? I'm like, I have no birth plan. It's I'm only 28 weeks, you know? I mean, obviously I want to deliver naturally, but I'll do whatever I have to do for me and the baby, you know, um, right. and the resident doctor, like, I feel like ran with the fact that I said, like, I would prefer a natural C-section or a natural delivery and went with that. Um, looking back on it now, I wish the resident or my doctor, um, would have went for the C-section right away. Mm -hmm. Um, but things are always different in hindsight. Yeah. Um, so, um, they put me on magnesium that helps with the, like at pretty much anyone that is in, hospitalized with preeclampsia is on magnesium, um, which makes you feel like really hot and sluggish and just like droopy and stuff. Yeah. Um, and they started, um, the other medicine to induce labor. I'm like blanket. Yeah. Pitocin started Pitocin. Um, they put a folly balloon inside of me. Um, I had to make a decision about getting an epidural. If I didn't get an epidural and if I had to switch to a C-section, then I'd have to be put asleep. So I was like, okay, let's go for the epidural. So like, if it goes down that route, like I'd like to be awake <laughs> when my child's born, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was admitted and moved to a different room and they started all that, all those things. Passing the folly balloon was like really extremely painful, even like with the epidural um, going through me. Um, that was finally out. I was about four centimeters dilated. And I think I only needed to be like six or seven for him to come out since he was so small. Mm -hmm. um, and they seemed hopeful at first that 
it was going to be okay. They stopped the Pitocin once the folly balloon came out because they didn't want to put the baby in distress. Yeah. Um, but then once they stopped the Pitocin, like the natural labor kind of stopped progressing and they were like, this isn't going to happen. Um, so that was about 48 hours later. Oh my Uh, God. Yeah. The plan switched to a C-section. It didn't seem like very urgent. Um, like they have two operating operating rooms they use for L and D in that hospital. And one was currently being in use and it was like just about to open up or like be done with their surgery with whoever was in there. And they were like, we're going to wait till that one's cleaned. So one stays open in case of an emergency. So like, it didn't even seem like dire or anything. Oh my Um, God. We waited a few hours to get in the operating room. You know, they wheeled me away. And that was the first time I had to leave my husband um, because he was allowed to come in the operating room, but like just when it was time for the surgery. Um, So we get in the operating room and the anesthesiologist is like pumping the epidural in me and Literally, I felt like the room was like flashing. Like I've never been on strong drugs, but I could imagine like this is what an acid trip would feel like. Oh my God. Um, they were like touching my stomach saying like, do you feel this? And I could barely get the word like yes out. Like I felt so bizarre from this epidural. Like I, and I was like telling them, yes, I could still feel it. Yes, I could still feel it. Um, and they were like, maybe she's just really sensitive let's just go for it. So they went for it and I could literally feel every single thing that they were doing to me. And I just kept looking around for my husband, like, where is he? Where is he? You know? And he finally comes in and he's like mortified because I'm like, I'm tough with pain. Like I really am. Um, and he's just never seen me like that. Um, cause obviously it was extremely, they're cutting through your abdomen, like, and, um, I could feel every single thing that was happening. And he's just like holding my hand. Like I like have a, I was like craving like stuffed crust pizza hut pizza randomly. And he's like, I'll buy you a stuffed crust pizza hut pizza when we get out of here. Oh. Like, like, a random thing. But yeah, like I can remember him saying that to me. Like he's like, just push through, push through. Come on, you got this. And um I was like, I was flailing around. Like they had to put my like um, strap my legs to the table to get me to stop moving. Cause I was really in so much pain. I accidentally grabbed like my doctor's butt with my hand. Like, um, <laughs> like I was just a mess and they get the baby out. And my husband's like, we have a baby. We have a baby. You did it. You did it. I didn't hear any cries. Um, they start to stitch me back up. And when they do that, they have to like grab your uterus and literally <laughs> pull it out of your body, you know, oh to get stitched back together. And I screamed. Um, I could, it literally felt like they were ripping my insides out. And the anesthesiologist just looks at me and he's like, would you like to be put to sleep? And I was like, yes. Or he said, do you want to take a nap? And I was like, yes. And my husband's like, you know, that means they're going to put you to sleep. I was like, yes. Oh, <laughs> like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Um, So I was put to sleep and my husband had to leave the room again. And, you know, and he was like frantically waiting. He's like, you know, why, why haven't I been able to meet the baby? Like what is going on? And like, he just had this feeling like something was wrong. Um, so they finally brought him in after like 30 minutes, I think. Um, and they were giving, um, our son CPR and, um, 
they essentially said like he you know he really wasn't going to make it um so my husband had to make that decision on his own to stop CPR because I was still asleep and then they they, took me did Mm -hmm. they give you any indication that there might be something wrong with the baby no so when they laid me on the table like obviously I was like disconnected from everything when they were transporting me to the operating room but when they laid me on the table like they put the fetal monitor back on me and his heartbeat was still strong so like I literally heard heartbeat right before the surgery and then I wake up and you know my husband tells me that our son died you know um and he was the one that told me what was what is it like to wake up you're probably in such a fog from the anesthesia and from the trauma that your body has just gone through to then get that news I couldn't even process it like my husband started crying right away when he told me and he like I just I had no emotion and he's like you're so strong how are you so strong and I'm like like I just couldn't even process it like it wasn't me being strong it was just like I I couldn't even grasp what was going on at that point um but yeah this was like delivered at one in the morning so this was probably like two in the mornings I don't it's so hard to like know the times of everything yeah that happened um and that just seemed like the longest day of my life um like we were moved obviously from that recovery area to a room then and like I slept for a few hours I think um and woke up and I well I was probably woken up by a nurse or something for just different checks or whatnot and um that was like the first day of the year that it snowed (laughs) um so we always associate snow with Jackson um we actually did not have a name picked out at this point um I had girl names picked out um and my husband rejected every single boy name I threw out there (laughs) it's just it's gonna be your decision (laughs) type of deal so as we were sitting in the hospital prior to the surgery um my husband narrowed it down to three names and um I got to hold Jackson for the first time when we were um in like that recovery area um they laid him like right on my chest um which is a really special picture I have it just looks like you know like skin to skin contact like right after a a birth um and I just looked at him and I was like oh my god he looks just like me Um, and right away I was like his name is Jackson and that was one of the three names my husband picked out um Jackson Richard I did uh because Richard is my brother's name it's my dad's name it's my grandfather's name oh that's special yeah (sighs) what was it like to hold Jackson they like a lot of different emotions um I like feel like first like you're just looking at him like how could this perfect child like be dead you know um because he was just so perfect um, and so small. Um, and his face looked just like mine. Um, his legs and like knees for some reason reminded me of my grandfather. Um, like he was my side of the family for sure. Um, and then the other part of you is like, I don't, you never like hear of stories like this. So you're just like, is this, is this weird? <laughs> like, I don't know I like went back to that too I'm like is this weird like I'm holding a dead child like I don't know like 
Um, like I hadn't, I didn't really know anyone whose baby has died like that before. Um, well, I've known people who had, have had miscarriages early on, but not anyone who's been through a scenario like mine. What did the doctors tell you what went wrong? Um, so I didn't really, it was kind of like later that day then. So I delivered at like one in the morning and I didn't really get to see my doctor until like dinner time. Um, cause I'm sure she had like a full patient list at, you know, the office. Um, and I found out my placenta abrupted as soon as they cut me open. Um, so like literally, she said it like literally flew out of me. Oh my um, God. so I don't know when it abrupted, like if it happened just then, or if it happened previously, but like doing research, I like if typically when your placenta abrupts, you're like heavily bleeding or you feel like a very strong pain in your abdomen. Um, and I don't have any, like, to my knowledge, that never happened to me. Um, she said, I didn't find this out to like my post-op visit. Cause I feel like I was still in such shock in the hospital that I couldn't even ask all the questions that I needed to ask. Um, so in my post-op visit, she did say that I like it when they did cut me open, like he was already pale at that point. So like at somewhere between when the fetal monitor was last on me and the epidural and the surgery, like somewhere in there, like something happened and it's still like, I feel like a mystery and I, I don't think I'll ever really get answers. Wow. That's, that's so hard. It's, hard enough as it is and it's hard to take steps to move forward but to move forward without even knowing what happened must be near impossible yeah um and my doctor did admit in like my post-op visit you know I, I kind of brought it up like do you think a 28 weaker measuring even smaller could have ever like really survived a natural birth like do you think that was too much stress for him? Like, and she did say, like, if I could change anything about my practice, it would have just been doing the C-section right away. So like, that was really hard to hear for me too. But like, I also feel like I needed to hear it for some closure. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, since I've changed doctors, because I just felt like I couldn't go back there. Um, and I do feel really great about my new doctor. Um, he is so positive, just like, um, my maternal fetal medicine doctor gave me like a 40% chance of preeclampsia reoccurrence, but only a 5% chance of help reoccurrence, which I feel like help is the really, the, the fast moving one. That's the reason like I had to deliver so fast preeclampsia. Um, in some cases, like you can move on with your pregnancy, having it and being monitored heavily, um, and be okay. Um, That's encouraging. So he's like, you know, you're on the 60% chance that things are going to be great and we're going to do this together. Um, the only proven method to prevent preeclampsia is baby aspirin. Um, and I was taking one baby aspirin throughout my pregnancy the last time. So they're going to try to up it to two doses for a future pregnancy. That's smart. Yeah. And that's encouraging to hear that most likely this won't recur yeah. next time. So now you have a scar that you see 
a physical scar, I'm sure many emotional scars as well, but a physical scar that you see on yourself every day. Mm-hmm. What's that like to see and be reminded every day of what you, of what you went through? Exhausting. Mm-hmm. Like it is just exhausting um, to think about it all. Like sometimes you, I just get like zoned into like, like flashbacks of the hospital and it was just such like a scary and like lonely time and just like so much unknown, you know, um, because Jackson was so small, I had to have a classical C-section as well. Um, so on the outside, I was only cut, um, horizontally, but internally I was cut vertically as well. Um, which is a bigger deal with healing. And, um, they gave me like a certain amount of time to wait, to try again, um, to avoid like my uterus rupturing. Yep in a future pregnancy. I, uh, I'm also a step parent like you are. Has seeing your husband with Gianna made it harder or easier for you to deal with the loss and grief of your biological child? Um, I don't think seeing him with Gianna really affects me at all, but seeing him with other kids still hurts. Um, just because he is such a great dad and so good with kids. It just like hurts my heart that our son isn't here to be a part of that. Yeah, that makes sense. You got pregnant again after the loss of Jackson. Was that a planned pregnancy? Yeah, um, pretty much like right when we got the thumbs up to start trying again, we did. And um, my husband and I must be very fertile because right again, we fell pregnant right away. Um, and we were actually in Disney at the time when I found out. Um, and about a week after I found out, I started bleeding and found out it was a chemical pregnancy. Um, but right when I did find out, like I first just had excitement, like I'm so ready for this. Like, this is like what I've been waiting for. But then like, two days later, I had a panic attack in my sleep and was like, oh my God, why did I do this to myself? Um, like my heart was racing. Like I felt like short breathed. Um, like, why did I do this to myself? I think I got pregnant too soon. Like, I don't think I'm ready. I don't think my body's ready. Like, you know, what if I die? What if, um, my baby dies again? Like, I just can't do this again. And, um, it's just a lot of emotion. Um, which I talked to my therapist about and she's like, it's, it's completely normal. You know, I actually, like, I don't know anyone who's experienced what you've experienced and hasn't had moments like that. You know, it's going to happen. I, I'm sure. I mean, I feel like of course you would have all of those mixed emotions after going through something like that. I mean, I feel like so many things must trigger your emotions on a daily basis. Yeah. How do you deal with the second round of grief? I mean, this was a very different circumstance. Did it feel very different emotionally? It, it did. Um, it's, it hurt. Like, and then you just like feel like, why me? You know, why, why can't I just bring a baby home? You know, um, you know, so many other people do it every day. And like, what is wrong with me? Um, so I just like felt a lot of guilt and a lot of like pressure on myself. Like, why can't I do this? Um, 
And obviously just being upset about another baby that's died, but it's also like really different. It's different that I held Jackson, like we, we stayed at the hospital a few days. Um, and we had, we had him with us the whole time. Um, so it's different because I actually physically held him in my arms and got to feel him, smell him, touch him, take pictures with him. Yeah. So it is different. We all know that this type of grief doesn't go away, but what brings you comfort and what helps you heal? Um, so I started this Instagram account around um, Jackson's due date. Um, he was born December 9th of 2020, but his due date technically wasn't until February 27th, 2021. That's my birthday. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, so around his due date, I decided to start this account and um, it was more for me um, and my healing um, because it just felt really good to write and write about like what I was feeling and what I was thinking. Um, and it's been really nice to just be able to connect with other people who've experienced similar things, whether the similar things are preeclampsia or help syndrome or infant loss. Um, it's just, you know, I don't have a lot of friends in real life that have been through things that I have. So it's just nice to find a group of people who understand. Um, so my Instagram account is called rocket ship to heaven. Um, and that was created from my stepdaughter, essentially. She was out playing in the snow, actually, when we had told her Jackson died um, through FaceTime, we told her. Mm -hmm. And she still gets upset that she didn't get to meet him in person because of COVID. Um, that's something she brings up frequently, actually. But she decided when she went inside that day that she was going to make like a little card for him. And it was a card with a rocket ship on it. Um, with like stickers and stuff and on the back she wrote a note to him that says like dear Jackson here is your rocket ship to heaven love your big sis Gianna <sighs> um, so it's a, a beautiful note that we cherish and um, yeah that is so special and sweet and beautiful and she sounds amazing and also strong and so smart to understand all that has gone on and just the intellect to put such care and thought into writing that note is is yeah. really special I feel like I like carry guilt about like her not having her brother here all the time um just like I just have such a great relationship with my siblings and it's just you know I wanted her to have that um, so it's still nice to see that even though he's not physically here, that she can still build some sort of relationship with him. Absolutely. What? Keep him in our conversations daily and stuff. Yeah, that's very important. Mm -hmm. What gives you hope for the future? I believe in an afterlife. Um, I believe that Jackson's in heaven, you know, watching over us. Um, so I think um, he will protect us in a future pregnancy, help keep us safe. 
Um, I think that's my hope for looking forward um, because even though it is extremely scary to think about going into another pregnancy, um, it's like my desire for a child here with me in my arms outweighs all the fears that I have. Lauren, thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable to share your story. I am so sorry that this is something you had to deal with and that you still deal with every single day. It must be so hard. And I know that loss, but every story is different and everyone deals with their stories differently. But I know that you sharing so openly will help other people who have been in similar situations. This is not something people like to talk about or want to talk about or talk about often. And it leaves people feeling alone when it happens to them. So I thank you so much for being strong enough to share your story and help other people by doing it. Thank you. And thanks for having me here. And um, I appreciate what you're trying to do of, you know, advocating for parents with this experience because, you know, when it happens or if it happens to you, you just automatically feel like so alone because not many people know other people who have been through something like this. And, you know, the more we can talk about it, you know, the less people will feel alone. Yeah. We need to, to normalize it because it, it is normal and it is so common mm -hmm. yet you don't hear about it enough. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I wish you all, all the luck and health for the future in all you do and for a healthy, happy baby in the future. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Unexpecting. Join our community by following us on Instagram at Unexpecting Podcast. If you'd like to share your story on our show, email us at unexpectingpodcast at gmail.com. You can support this podcast by visiting anchor.fm slash unexpecting. Be kind to yourself. Be patient. And remember, today's teardrops are tomorrow's rainbows. Take care.